Hello, and welcome to The Art of Listening, a podcast about classical music, conducting, composition, the business of music, and how to listen to it all. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and for the next hour, I will be your host along with my co-host, Gabriel Gordon. Gabe, how are you today? Welcome to the program. I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It is finally spring, and the weather is warmer. And with the weather being warmer, that means it is finally audition season. And today we're going to be talking all about auditions, how you can get into groups, what kind of groups, and so much more. Gabe, talk to us a little bit about some of the great things that have been happening on your website, gabrielgordon.net. So, yeah, I actually just... Uh, I just finished recording uh, a bunch of etudes by Wolfhart, and uh, we're going to be putting those up on YouTube. And uh, I'm going to be putting up as well the Bach double, and I've been working really hard on grants for my new group, the Ogden Camerata. That is fantastic. And you mentioned things like Wolfhart, Bach Double, you've got, you know, Brandenburg Three. All these pieces are standard literature for any student and anybody who's out there aspiring to be a violinist. Today, we're going to talk all about auditions. And first of all, let me just kind of throw the question out to you. What is an audition? Why do we have them? Um, We know what job interviews are, but why do musicians have auditions? Well, auditions are what I like to call a necessary evil, actually. There's there's really very few ways to fairly evaluate uh, people for a job or for, you know, position in in college or uh, for lots of different things. But uh, when you're when when you're playing, you want to keep as much as fair as possible. Um, as you can. And really the best way that people have found to do that is an audition. And you had mentioned the word fair. And I know this is a big topic for professionals, for students, even for parents. Um, I've been on many auditions where they bring you in, they put you uh, in a room or on a stage or behind a curtain. Um, Fair, not fair. What, what, What constitutes a fair audition to you? What constitutes a fair audition is really an opportunity to play your best uh, under circumstances that uh, level the playing field, quite literally, playing field. And there are lots of variations uh, as to how to do that, lots of opinions as to how to do that. And really, in my experience, Uh, Each audition is slightly different from the other, but generally, generally there are lots of variations, but there's a basic format. Really, for orchestral auditions, you'll have three rounds, meaning you'll have a preliminary round and then a middle round and then a final round. And when you're doing a professional audition, almost always, you're going to be behind what's called a, a screen, which will mean that uh, your race, creed, color, sex, all of that will not be a consideration uh, for how you, only how you play is going to be uh, considered. And generally what you're going to get is a list of 
excerpts as well as a choice of concertos that they're going to ask you to play. So in a first round, you'll play one of your concertos and you'll play a few of the orchestral excerpts. These excerpts are chosen from the repertoire, but they're generally um, not too many of them that orchestras like to like to listen to, probably about 26 excerpts altogether. Uh, and then in the middle round, they'll hear some more excerpts. And then uh, in the end, they'll hear your major concerto as well as uh, a few more things. Um, for each one of these jobs, there's an average of about 300 applicants. It's pretty competitive. Now, that those are orchestral auditions. For college auditions, there are similar things. And, you know, again, it depends on uh, what college or university and what they want you to prepare. Um, but uh, sometimes they do it in rounds. And uh, there are even times I've seen uh, college auditions behind a screen. So talking today about auditions and different types of auditions, and you had just mentioned the college round of auditions. I remember being nervous when I went in for my college auditions. I was uh, applying for multiple colleges around on the viola, and you know, you'd get there, you'd, you'd, you'd get ready, you'd get in the hallway, you'd go into the room, and there on the wall, it was what you had to do. It says, hold instrument from memory. And I wasn't sure exactly how this was going to go. Um, right. I had a curtain. But I, how are they going to know that I had it in my right hand is all I was really looking at for that. Right. When you were mentioning these, these orchestral excerpts, um, the question always comes up of, of well, what should you be practicing? How do you work on this? And we're going to focus right now on, on instruments. We'll talk right. about conducting a little later. That's completely different to conduct behind a curtain. But I want to make sure that we're good for this. Like, If you are going to be going out for college auditions, when, if you're going to be going out for a professional audition, is there a master list? Is there violinauditionpieces.com? Like, how do you know? what pieces or what excerpts you need to be working on? Well, probably the best way to do that is to search out auditions across the country and uh, take a look at their lists. You're gonna find um, probably four or five, at least four or five excerpts that are on every single list. Uh, Don Juan, Mozart 40, several excerpts from Mozart's 40th Symphony, uh, the Schumann Scherzo um, is is another very popular one, uh, as well as you know many others. But really, you want to compile this list. It's about anywhere from twenty five to thirty excerpts that just about every audition uh, will have. And just so we're clear here, right now you're speaking about orchestral excerpts, not solo repertoire excerpts. Exactly. Yes, we're talking about orchestral excerpts. So Don Juan is one of the great orchestral pieces uh, in the repertoire. And I have yet to experience an audition that doesn't have Don Juan on it. What uh, is so it about these excerpts? I mean, you had mentioned Mozart 40. We've both played it. We've both conducted it. I can't think of anywhere in here that I would want to audition for the New York Philharmonic based off of, you know, letter B in the first movement. Like what, what, 
what do people look for as an excerpt? Is it just fast, hard, difficult, or is it just more music that isn't solo rap? Like, what are you looking for here? Yeah, so uh, people people are looking for good rhythm, especially good rhythm. That's probably the number one thing in an orchestra that they're looking for because you're talking about playing in a section, in the violin section, you're, you're talking about playing with you know 20 other individuals at the same time as well as playing with the rest of the orchestra. So it's virtually impossible to do that if you don't have good rhythm. So that's number one. They're looking for excerpts that test your rhythm. Uh, in various ways. They're looking for excerpts as well. Number two on the the list of things that you look for is good intonation. Um, we don't, you know, in, in the rehearsals, the rehearsals are very short, really. A lot of people don't realize that in order to put out a concert a week, it takes a, a whole lot of preparation work because generally you only have three, maybe four rehearsals. Uh, before that concert. So you want to be sure that when you get to the first rehearsal, you have all the rhythms worked out and the intonation is right on the money so that you can come to that first rehearsal ready to work with everyone else. So really that's, that's most of what people are looking for. The concertos, believe it or not, are actually a way to relax the performer. Uh, and to so that you can just play something on your own. And I know it's something that like I, you know, I, I freak out about whenever I like, oh, I have to play, you know, the Tchaikovsky violin concerto for them. Like, no, that's the point where, you know, you can just relax and play because they're they're just trying to get a general gauge. On your plan. You know, that reminds me of the uh, it's kind of a, a joke. And I, I mean this in total humor. But what what is the difference between a, a woodwind instrument and a violinist? <laughs> I don't know. A woodwind instrument comes to the orchestra rehearsal. They sit down. They get their stuff ready. They, they put out their excerpt book and they practice all the solo passages that they need. So that way on that day when they're playing that Don Juan excerpt, they're ready to go. A violinist comes in, they take out their stuff, they sit down, and they play the Mendelssohn Concerto in front of everybody. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. With that said, when you're looking at orchestral excerpts, is there first violin and second violin orchestral excerpts? I mean, is the, does the bassoon player have to practice the second bassoon excerpts to audition for the New York Philharmonic, or... They're just playing all the bassoon solos in the world or like how is it broken down for instruments that you can put in multiple spots on stage? That's a great question. You know, it, it really, like I said, it, it, it kind of depends on what you're looking for, really. The most of the excerpts are just first. If you're a violinist, they're just first violin excerpts. Occasionally, you'll get a second violin audition. And what they'll do is they'll put all of the regular first violin excerpts on there, Don Juan, Schumann, Scherzo, and so on, on there. And then they'll include a few second violin excerpts onto there. But generally, they're looking for those same excerpts and concertos that, uh, and they'll limit the concertos. I've played, uh, I was very disappointed. There was 
for a bunch of auditions, I was playing the Barbara Violin Concerto, which I thought, okay, you know, they're probably sick and tired of hearing Mendelssohn, Tchaikovsky, and Beethoven. And, uh, you know, I'll play Barbara and it'll be something new for them. But then I had a bunch of auditions that didn't allow the Barber Concerto. So it kind of depends. How do you prepare for this, right? You're, you've got these excerpts and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about the conducting thing but you know you're in the middle of the barber excerpt let's say you're playing measures 200 through 300. um i would assume in your head you have to start playing at measure one and then you kind of pick up as you go or do you just have to train yourself that i'm starting here and i'm running with it oh no you it's definitely i'm starting here and you run with it um, the, I, I mean, you can get a little bit of context. They don't give you excerpts that kind of start in the middle of a phrase or, uh, you know, are starting like really in, in the middle of things. They'll, they'll give you an excerpt that, you know, starts at a definitive point and ends at a definitive point. Um, so it's really not necessary to get that much context in there. I'm I'm curious. I don't know if if we've ever talked about this, but you might know or you might not know. For many years, I was on the committees uh, up and down New Jersey of picking orchestral excerpts and solos and stuff for states, districts, regionals and stuff like that. And I finally remember sitting there night after night going, what piece of what excerpt of what this and do professionals do sight reading excerpts also? Because I, I remember trying to figure out what is the sight reading excerpt for these poor kids and I remember sitting there with many people going, I bet they won't realize this, that there's going to be a shift in the tenor clef in the middle. And we'll see how that works. Right, right, right. Do, do professionals do sight reading or is that just a, hey, no, at this point? They do. It's it, Actually, that's, that's a great story that encapsulates how to prepare for these auditions and what the results are sometimes. Um, I have a friend in the Cleveland Orchestra, an alum of the Youth Symphony that I used to conduct, um, who told me this story about how uh, when he was preparing for auditions, he practiced 26 excerpts and one concerto for four years. And what, and he just did that every single day and did absolutely nothing else. He did gigs, of course, but um, when he practiced, he, he did that every single day. And then he traveled around the country and took auditions after about a year of preparing. So he took auditions for three years and he flew around the country and would get into the semifinals and then he would consistently get into the finals and he just did it over and over again. And he said he made it to the finals of the Cleveland Orchestra and it was between him and one other guy. And uh, they couldn't decide between the two of them. So in that particular case, they decided to throw a, uh, a sight reading in mm. front of them in order to help them decide. And the other guy did the sight reading and uh, played fairly well, uh, you know, for sight reading. And for my friend, it just happened to be one of the 26 excerpts that he had been practicing for four years. So he turned the piece over and played it perfectly and got the job. So that one wasn't behind a, a scrim, if you will, or? Right, so that's another, that's another thing, is very often uh, when they get to the finals and if it's between two people, then they take the screen down 
very often. And there's a lot of controversy about that. So how does that work, right? Like at some point you're going to walk in the door and they're going to go, oh, you're a white guy. You're a, not a white guy, right? Like right. How, how do they – I guess it's the judges aren't supposed to know or, the, or you know, who, who are the judges? Is it the music director? Is it the president of the orchestra? Is it the section leaders? Who, who, who are these people that we have to go hunt down and find? Well, very often uh, they they'll be actually different people in different rounds. I think there's some consistency – uh, there, uh, but generally the music director does not show up until the finals. Uh, and, you know, maybe the concert master will be there, you know, for the entire, all three rounds. Um, but they don't, they, it's 300 applicants. So they don't, they don't make everybody, uh, do all three rounds. Now, let's take this uh, down a notch, if you will. Community orchestras, semi-pro orchestras. Um, right. I've been in situations where I've been asked to come and audition for somebody, and really it was just a chance for the conductor and I to get to know each other. Hey, how you doing? Can you play me something? Thanks, rehearsals on Monday. Don't forget to meet the bass player in the back. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to audition somebody at a semi-pro level without all the pressures of 45 excerpts and Don Juan concertos and stuff like that. What do you look for as a conductor when you're auditioning somebody into your group? Well, it, it's it's funny because, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about community orchestras. We can talk about youth symphonies in, in, in a second here, which is also just a different experience. When you're talking about a community orchestra, um, the main focus on a group like that is actually the enjoyment of the orchestra, not even necessarily the enjoyment of, of the audience. And really, you want to put that person as much as, as possible at ease. And, you know, I explain whenever I do auditions like that, really, this is just to get a general level. Can you play, um, you know, these uh, with with these people and with repertoire that's this hard and that's really it so you want to make it as relaxed as possible um give them uh an example of a harder piece uh that the orchestra might play and don't make them play scales or or anything like that just get a general level there and that's because after all the word amateur means to for the love of it that's why uh, a, a lot of the word amateur gets a really bad rap. Um, you know, it mean a lot to a lot of people. It means subpar. Uh, you know, really, it's just for the love of it. I consider myself while I play professionally, um, I consider myself an amateur of music as well. Talking today all about auditions and, and you know, Doing it on an instrument is one thing. You control the instrument. You control the sound. You control what people hear or don't hear. Doing this as a conductor is completely different, right? Um, I find a lot of conducting auditions don't start on the stage. They actually start with a conversation. Absolutely. Mostly asking you, why do you want to be here? And can you please leave the bass players alone? Talk to us a little bit about what a conducting audition is for you. Well, uh, so, I mean, we could start with a professional uh, conducting audition. Um, I was in the finals for uh, assistant conductor at the Atlanta Symphony, and uh, I was invited, actually, to, uh, to these auditions 
And, you know, this is this is one of those uh, things where, you know, you go to these conducting workshops and important people uh, watch you and then they say, OK, I need an assistant conductor. Let's invite this person. And that's what happened with me. Uh, the actual conducting part was the shortest part of it all by far, actually. Um, partly, I think, because uh, Bob Spano, the, the music director, had already really seen all of us at this workshop. Um, but uh, that was probably the hardest part of it for me um, because I had never conducted the Atlanta Symphony before. And what you want to do in that situation is really get to know them. It's not really about, uh, you know, moving left or right or you know balancing yourself you're actually trying to get to know people uh in the space of about 40 minutes really you don't you just don't have a, a lot of time there well what does that mean right get to know them is that uh hey how you doing uh, how, how are the how are the braves is like well is that just get to know them on the stage so that way they can learn how to mimic your intentions or what does that mean get to know them yeah, it, it, it means get to know them within the relationship of the conductor to the orchestra. And, you know, it's something you have to understand that, you know, the orchestra is full of individuals, but it's its, its own group. The whole group is really, you can see the whole group as one organism, really, uh, one person that you are trying to get to know. And, uh, you know, really, you know, you have to understand that um, this this is an interview between uh, one person and another as you're walking onto the podium. And, uh, you know, the, what's the first thing you do? You should shake shake their hand and, you know, say, how do you do? And have have that be the really have that be the metaphor that you're working with as you get up onto the podium and conducting them. The vast majority of the rest of it were interviews with different parts of the organization uh, and meeting, well, the Atlanta Symphony has one of the best chorus, uh, one of the best choruses in the country. And so I got to meet, uh, you know, the chorus master and have a nice conversation with them. And I, uh, there were scenarios that they threw at me. What if uh, this happens? What if that happens? But the rest of it was really just interviews and talks. It's interesting to think back here about my various conducting auditions. Some of them have been conversations that led to, hey, here's a couple minutes. Why don't you try? Some of them have been, hey, I can't make this rehearsal. Can you go and, and do a day for me? Uh, not realizing that was an audition. Some of them were, uh, and I think my, the one that I, I, I hate it the most, I had a 75 question written exam. Oh. And I told you about this one. That's um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say the name. Initials were AS. And he gave me a 75 question written exam and i had to remember what was the key signature for uh, uh, uh rhapsody in blue his, his second piano concerto okay. gershwin right like i had to figure out like what was the key signature for this and who did this and what was the wow that right. had nothing to do with how well you moved your hands 
Well, and I did when when um, I auditioned for the University of Michigan, uh, they give you a test as well, asking all of these, uh, you know, obscure, you know, questions that, you know, we conductors like to, you know, ask of each other. Um, you know, what are the 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 symphonies that, uh, you know, Beethoven uh, used three timpani? Um, and it's five and nine, I think three, <laughs> I can't remember now anymore, but, uh, you know, the, you're an the, amateur. Yeah, I, I am. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, definitely five and nine, but maybe three, I just can't remember right now, but, uh, the, you know, they, they try to find, and this is, this is the other thing about auditions in general, uh, just a general rule. Uh, which is they are trying to find ways to eliminate you mm -hmm. because there are 300 applicants right. for the job. Uh, and so, you know, one little mistake, this is why you have to play perfectly because one little mistake, that's their excuse to get rid of you. It's not easy, right? And, it, and I think the biggest thing that we can kind of uh, put a bow here on this episode is when looking at auditions, you have to be prepared I think it's a matter of also, as you mentioned, it's not just the physical skill or the, the working out something on, a, on an instrument. It's the it is those relationships, you know, going up and knowing that you have to, you know, introduce yourself to the concert master or introduce yourself to whoever and play the game. If you yeah. Will. And you know what? I mean, when you're doing college auditions, which are pretty much never behind a screen, actually, your your experience was unusual. Um, but uh, the uh, the when you're doing college auditions, really, you want to go in with the mindset of being a student because that's what the teacher is looking for. They're looking for a good student. So yes, you have to play well, but also you have to, you know, be a good student and relate to the committee. But is way. there a difference between being a student and... Okay, so for instance, let, let's take our favorite topic, Beethoven 5. You're going to go do an, uh, an audition with an orchestra on Beethoven 5. Do you find time to meet with the concertmaster, even while everyone's getting tuned up, and go, hey, how do you guys usually do it? Or do you stand up on the podium and go, this is how I'm going to do it? And obviously, I think that depends on if your name is Gabe Gordon or Simon Rattle. But does it? Is there a help to say, hey, how are you guys used to doing this? I want to make sure that we're all in the same page well you don't you don't want to you don't want to ask at an audition you don't want to ask how you guys do it you want to do it and and you know realize what it is that they're doing in the moment okay and go with that because obviously the atlanta symphony knows how to play beethoven's fifth um and on the other hand they're also looking to you as to what it is that you're doing and they they are there most of the time i should say um they want to help you they want to do what what you want to do because they're, they're a professional orchestra and they've yes they've played beethoven's fifth many times but under many many other conductors as well so they're looking to you for instruction and at the same time you're you're wanting to meet them so really it's about meeting them in the middle as you're doing it and that's probably one of the hardest things to figure out as you continue to do auditions. Let's end today with three things. What 
three pieces of advice would you give anybody, violinist, bassoonist, triangle player, conductor? What advice would you give somebody when preparing for an audition? Well, the, when preparing for an audition, it, it sounds kind of silly, but make sure you're prepared. So, and, you know, it, it, that's, that's the thing. It's like you can say, okay, I know how to play this piece. No, you don't know how to play this piece. Even when you know how to play this piece, you don't know how to play this piece. And there is always more that you can do. The detailed work is what's going to separate you from one person to another. I've known people, like I said, who have practiced excerpts for years and gotten down to every single detail in every single excerpt, and they still don't get the job um, because there are 300 applicants. And you just have to keep on doing it over and over and make sure you are ready for every single, single one of them. Um, the other thing that uh, I would, advice I would give you is when you're in the audition, don't focus on the goal. Make sure that if, if you're thinking about, man, I really, really could use this job. It's my 10th audition. Um, am I good about, no. If you are thinking about those things, you're not thinking about the next shift. You're not thinking about the kind of bow stroke that you need to do. You need to be focused on what you're doing in that moment and not on anything else. One last topic, something that we talked about a lot when we were doing all the New Jersey pieces and we, we've had these conversations. Is there any truth to the dress code of an audition? No, no perfume, no dangling earrings, no high heels. Uh, does a conductor have to come with his, you know, Mandarin collar and looking just so? What what does a, an auditioner look like or an audition? Yeah, uh, you know, th there are some people who like to get dressed up in, in a shirt and tie or, um, you know, a nice outfit. Um, I would stay definitely stay away from the dangly earrings, especially if you're playing, a, a, you know, a stringed instrument. They could knock against the instrument uh, that way. I would uh, stay away from, uh, you know, the... Uh, the fancy dress shoes for for either uh, males or females. Um, first of all, I you know they're not necessarily comfortable, um, and uh, you know second of all, I you know you don't want uh, people to necessarily hear you stepping. Even generally, they'll have like a carpet on the stage so that you can't hear uh, the shoes, but you know, if you wear hard enough shoes. But really, I guess the general rule I would say is uh, that you you want to dress comfortably uh, so that you're comfortable. Uh, not jeans and sneakers, but, uh, you know, business casual is what You are I going for an interview, no matter whether you're seen behind a curtain or not. Somebody is looking at you. Exactly. Um, I would assume that's the same thing as if you're doing a virtual audition, which is I'm assuming that these things are happening. You're you're in your room auditioning for the New York Philharmonic. I'm I'm sure that these things are happening, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. so, um, the only thing that I, I I mean we've we've talked about this from so many different angles. Yeah. Resumes. Uh, let's end with this. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. easy. I, I can put down on paper. I have played the Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, Brahms, and Bruckner concertos. Um, what does a piece of paper look like about yourself? Conducting-wise, musician-wise, let's just talk about that, and, and then we'll wrap up here. 
Yeah, first of all, um, no more than two pages, no matter what you've done. Uh, that's number one. Uh, and uh, you know, depending on you know, if you're if you're doing a professional resume, um, you want to keep your put your education there, but uh, keep it brief. Um, list your experiences, make it clear but concise. If your resume is uh, for college, then you want to list um, all of your high school clubs, all of the youth symphonies that you performed in. Uh, whether or not you, you know, played concertmaster, that would be for both professional um, and college resumes. Uh, but really, list what you've done, explain where you need to, be concise. Is there a difference between prepared and performed? I mean, I can prepare, I, I can know the Mendelssohn Concerto, but I've never had the opportunity to play it with an orchestra or a recital. Like, how do you determine this piece? I've gone through the rep, but I just never had a group to do it. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, if you're a student and you prepared the Mozart fifth, you know, violin concerto and, you know, played it through with a pianist, that counts. You know that piece. Uh, if uh, you're a professional conductor and you have studied Mahler's Fifth Symphony, but you have not been in front of live people before, that doesn't count. Uh, you really need to be in front of live people. You know, we both used to uh, perform and conduct uh, the Orchestra Society of Philadelphia. And I thought that was one of the world's great resources for conductors because they they get together every Friday night and they uh, go through a piece and you rehearse it and then you perform the entire piece in a read through. And, you know, to me, that's how I got through all nine Beethoven symphonies in a lot of ways, because. Uh, you know, I fully studied it. I did as much as I could, uh, you know, and, you know, actually rehearsed it and then did a read through performance of it. So what I felt was that I was then prepared to get up in front of professionals and re fully rehearse and perform that piece. To me, that counts for sure. If you have any questions about this or other musical topics, please reach out to us. You can head on over to Gabe's website, gabrielgordon.net. Check out his great website and YouTube channel over at gabrielgordon.net slash YouTube. And Gabe, I know that you just got done celebrating Women's History Month. Talk to us real quick. Why was that so important that we took time this month to really celebrate women musicians, women composers? And, uh, you know, you've been very active on social media with that. Yeah, um, I, I just wanted to um, honor and highlight um, all the really, really great uh, composers who are women. And uh, I think it's important to recognize their achievements uh, because historically they, they haven't been recognized as much as they really need to be. And of course, we're going to be bringing up that and other topics as we go through here right on The Art of Listening. This is the podcast. It's all about conducting composition, classical music, the business of music, and how to listen to it all. On behalf of Gabriel Gordon, my name is Jeff Bradbury. Enjoy the music. <laughs>